listeners, and welcome to the seventh episode of the podcast, a podcast run by students for students. BSU is still taking over our podcast, and after listening to last week's episode, I am very excited for this one. In today's episode, Chelsea Armstrong and Michelle Sawyer talk about black horror, the history of it, horror tropes, and some important advice if you find yourself in a horror movie. guys, I'm Chelsea Armstrong. I'm a senior. I'm a psychology major and I'm going to graduate in May. Woo-hoo. And I am here with Michelle Sawyer. Please introduce yourself. Hey y'all, my name is Michelle. I'm a sophomore here. Um, pre-dentistry is my major. Woo! <laughs> Today we're going to talk about um, black horror and black representation in horror films. I absolutely love horror movies they are my favorite um genre of film what's your favorite film genre michelle i think horror too or like action i like action a lot i do too i I do as well i think i like movies where a lot's going on Mm -hmm. well and then and horror, there's always a lot going on. And I recently got, um, found out a lot more about black horror and black representation in horror um, by watching a wonderful documentary on the streaming platform Shutter called Horror Noir, um, A History of Black Horror. And I'm gonna kind of give y'all uh, some background on black horror films and then we're going to talk about some of our favorite black horror characters so the first technically um black horror film which we would describe as a horror film where all the characters for the most part are black people um was a Spencer Williams film called Son of Ngagi. It was not only the first horror film to portray Black people positively, but it was also um, just one of the first films in general. It came out in the 1940s and it showed a family, um, just a regular family being terrorized by a monster. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, um, which is a pretty normal horror thing nowadays. A horror film that's not a black horror film, but like The Babadook is a good example of a family being terrorized by a monster. The next film, um, (laughs) unfortunately, way later, um, that had a positive representation of a black person in it was the 1968 film night of the living dead by george a romero it's also known as the first modern zombie movie but in the film um the main character ben is a black man he is played by Dwayne jones and he is not only um he's smart 
He doesn't make stupid decisions. And he calls out all the other people in the film when they do make stupid decisions. And it, for 1968, that was really revolutionary. Okay. Because I'd be, I'd be calling them out whenever I'd be looking at it on TV. I'd be yelling at them because why are you being so dumb? <laughs> no. It, yeah. And, and while it is said, George A. Romero said that he didn't intend for the film to be political, um, it just kind of goes to show that when you have a Black man as your lead character in a film, it's going to turn a little political. Mm-hmm. Um, after the 70s, well, in later into the 70s, there were a ton of films that featured Black actors, um, specifically like um, Blackula in 1972, um, less known films like Blackenstein um, and Abbey, but there are a lot of films kind of in an era is what we call Black exploitation films, which are, um, but they were very popular and um, featured mainly black casts and usually made by black people as well. Mm-hmm. A little campier than the horror films we're um, familiar with today, but very fun. So black people were more present in horror films in the 1980s, but they're super misrepresented. Um, part of this is because by the 80s, filmmaking became really um like commercial lots of people were making films it was more of a um like a like everybody could do it um and people all over the world were starting to make films and so we kind of lost our three-dimensional black characters and um any characters of color they it, very quickly became um, caricatures or stereotypes, which is unfortunate. Um, And this is also when a lot of the common horror tropes came about was in the 1980s. So um, Shell, what horror tropes? So we know of like general horror tropes, like um, the virgin lives till the end of the movie and um, if you have sex in the movie, you die immediately, usually right afterward. But do you know of black horror tropes? Um, that the black people always are one of the first people to die. So we never live at the movie unless if you're LL Cool J or if like a jock, you always die. <laughs> I don't really know. That is, that is true. Actually, there's a quote that says, that they say, if the Black character doesn't die first, they'll die soon, which is super unfortunate. Um, another trope, though, that we see, and if you, you'll, once you know about it, you'll recognize it in a lot of places, is the sacrificial Negro, is what they call it. Um, it's when a Black character chooses to give themselves up to, like, the killer or whatever the threat is in order to save the white people and let the story keep going. Um, The biggest, most notable example of this is in The Shining. Um, Dick Halloran, who is played by Scatman Crothers, who's in a ton of movies, great actor, um, 
great legacy. But um, yeah, he teaches Danny about The Shining, who Danny's the lead little boy in that movie, teaches him about his special gift. Dick Halloran has the gift too. And then he realizes that they're in trouble. He shows up at the house and spoiler alert for a um, like, like a 40 year old movie, but he gets killed immediately. Um, oh no. Which, yeah. And it's super sad because that's not actually the case in the Stephen King novel that The Shining is based on, but it is in the movie. So, I mean, they played right into that trope. The next trope um, is the, um, what we would call the magical Negro, which is actually also kind of, um, Dick Halloran in The Shining is this character too. It's a black character with mystical powers um, who comes to the aid of the white protagonist. There are lots of movies where the only black person in them is like a, like a mystical voodoo person or um, has special insight. And um, yeah, like a non-horror movie that I'm thinking of that has an example of that is like the um, Green Mile, if you've ever seen that movie. What about Eve's Bayou? Does yes. that count? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah. I mean, and I would argue that Eve's Bayou is a Black movie, a Black horror film. Um, but even in those films, we tend to end up kind of in the, um, before this more like the 2000s or the 2010s on, where we have more modern films with better representation of black people. Unfortunately, prior to that, um, representation still isn't ideal. Um, but yeah, those are the biggest tropes we see. Um, even when um, into the 2000s, we had movies like that. Um, we'll talk about them a little bit later because I love them a lot. But Tony Todd's character in Final Destination is a bit of a magical Negro trope because he's he knows things um, about death that the main characters who are in those films, majority white, they don't know. And he kind of gives them wisdom so that they can move on with their story. And then we don't see him anymore throughout the rest of the film for the most part. But yeah, but after those kind of tropey films throughout the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, we get to um, the two, what, 2017 film, Get Out, which reinvented uh, Black horror as we know it today. When, did you see Get Out when it first came out, Michelle? I honestly, I feel like I either saw it in the movies or saw it on like demand. I'm pretty sure I saw it in the movie though. It like freaked me out. I was like, whoa. Yeah, it was I, freaking me out. I think I watched it. Um, I probably watched it on demand and I remember watching it and thinking I probably shouldn't be alone while I watch this. <laughs> <laughs> because um, the idea of 
being hypnotized and not being in control of your body is terrifying, um, but also even more so um, because for Black people, not having ownership of your body is, is a historical um, truth. And that kind of is part, what makes that film so provocative and what makes, made it so big in the media um, because they, you know, a lot of people, this was, um, well, it was made during the Obama era. It came out after his um, presidency was over but everyone kind of believed that racism was over and we lived in a post-racial society because Obama had been president. And um, then Get Out came out and it kind of had white liberals going, oh no, <laughs> maybe we're the racists too. Um, and it kind of, it brought to light the things that um, black people find horrifying versus what white people find horrifying. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the, the imagery alone in the film at the end, you know, when he's, um, after he gets out and he is in the car and he's, driving away and they get in the accident and then Rose comes out and comes after him and gets, takes over her, starts to strangle her. And then you see those lights. And what do you think? He's going to get caught up by the police. It's yeah. going to be all over. I remember watching that and my heart dropped and it brought me back to um, spoiler for like a 50 year old movie, the end of night of the living dead, which in that, for those who haven't seen it, it's um, Ben, the, the Black lead character, survives the night. He survives all the zombies. He gets through it. And then there are police officers and civilians, like, going through the area, um, trying to get the, like, straggler zombies and kill them all. And they see through the window Ben's silhouette in the house that he's been in. And they think he's a zombie and they shoot him. And um, yeah, it is devastating ending because you're, you're so excited for him to have survived. He got through the zombies. He got through the dumb family that's giving him trouble and, um, you know, trying to take over, even though he knows better. And then, yeah, they, they, he gets got. And, um, you know, did you know that the original ending of Get Out was going to be that that was actually the police? Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. They was going to kill him off. Well, no. they just arrest him. <laughs> and there's, yeah, there's um like a deleted scene on the DVD extras where it shows him talking to Rod um, Williams of the TSA who is my favorite character in that film um, mm -hmm. because he doesn't trust those white people at all the whole film and it's great that's the character we all secretly want to be 
um but it's just crazy though because like as a black person you got to be up on guard all the time because you just never know because like there's all these situations of whenever the only black person and a group of white person gets missing or gets murdered and nobody knows what's happening yeah exactly and they you know and it's it's what makes it really scary is that it parallels real life stories i mean chris could have gone missing and you know rose in the film is trying to convince rod that he just that he left on his own accord and she doesn't know why he's not back home and and rod's like uh excuse me i that's ridiculous and then he realizes that she's trying to play him but think of all the black people that that family abducted before and no one went looking for them mm -hmm. and that unfortunately parallels real life too often we see that the pretty white girl is the one that is on the news and everybody's worried about um and so that's kind of it has a deeper level of scariness for black people than it does for white people and but yeah and so now we have um more films and shows like that um have you seen lovecraft nation no i have not actually oh it's really good on hbo i recommend it um it takes the um experience further and kind of increases the scariness because it's a period piece so it's back in the um i want to say 50s and 60s damn yeah which makes it scarier um but and then there's uh we had the new candy man that just came out with um directed by nia DaCosta, who is um excellent director super young i think i looked up her age and she's like i don't even know if she's 30 yet but i was super impressed with that movie um it's just it's great because it reclaims um this story from the original film which is about black people but it's really told from the white perspective the original Candyman, because you it's from helen lyle's perspective who is a white grad student doing her uh report or no doing a paper on um like black folk stories or um you know myths and and so then they take it Nia DaCosta was also one of the writers and Jordan Peele um, and a bunch of others. And they took it and kind of reclaimed the story and um, talked about it from a black perspective. Because, I mean, if anything, that's the most appropriate way to tell that story, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Although I heard some people said the stuff about um, the um the gentrification was kind of heavy-handed but i thought it was appropriate i don't know if a lot of people know that they tore down the um apartments that were in the original film the cabrini green um apartments in chicago 
they tore them down and, you know, they were trying to get rid of the ghetto and, but unfortunately it just displaced a lot of people. And then they used that land and built up like luxury condos and apartments and um, kind of tried to erase the, the past and pretend like it never happened. But those people had to go somewhere. And unfortunately, you know, we need to still tell their stories. And I like how it combines what really actually happened in Chicago with a spooky, scary man who comes after you if you are not smart enough um, to not say his name in the mirror five times. I love that the movie also has that really great part where um, I love it because everyone's very smart and they know not like all the black characters are like, I'm not going to say that name in the mirror. -uh. My favorite scene from that movie is whenever it's like in the like art expedition whenever they were doing and the white people were in there and they were making fun of the black man's art which was Candyman. like he made an art piece about king man and they're making fun of it and then end up saying it five times and they died just to get for making fun of us yeah <laughs> also great scene very um like beautifully done if you can say that people being murdered is beautiful. There's a lot of really good imagery in that scene. Um, also, did you know that all the art in that film is from um, actual black artists? What, are you serious? Yeah, all the art they featured in the film. I love that. No, we're, we're doing horror right now. Black horrors got a, a new face in there. We're doing it right. I'm real excited about Jordan Peele's new movie, um, Nope. Have you seen the previews for that? I've heard about it, but I have not seen the previews yet. I saw it floating around on Twitter. I think they the, just the um, new preview released. I have no idea what it's about. Um, after you watch the preview, you probably still won't know what it's about, but it looks really good. I mean, if it's from them, he's a really good director, so. All right. And then last but not least, I want to talk about some of my favorite Black Horror characters. Uh, I did mention already um, William Bloodworth, which is Tony Todd's character in the Final Destination movies. He's actually not in all of the Final Destination movies. He's only in the first one, the second one, and the fifth one. Although he does a voiceover in the third one, but it's not actually him as the character. Mm -hmm. But he in that film is a funeral director or a funeral home director. Also, sometimes I see him listed as a coroner, um, which made me think of my other favorite funeral director for a black horror film, um, Mr. Sims from Tales from the Hood. Man, that movie was crazy. I remember seeing that, like, being in middle school. It freaked me out. It, it is it is super creepy. And Mr. Snow's character is extra creepy. So I'm going to go through some stats so we can decide. Because I want to compare. Like, if you're in a horror movie, of course, first of all, we're going to be smart horror characters, correct? Yes. I'm not 
going into basements or walking out in the forest by myself. Don't say anything into mirrors. But sometimes if you're in a horror film, you can't avoid death and you might end up seeing a coroner. So if you had to see a coroner and you walk into a funeral home, who would you rather see? As in, who are you least afraid of? William Bloodworth in Final Destination or Mr. Sims from Tales from the Hood. So I have some facts. Um, I picked Final Destination. Hmm? I picked Final Destination. Hey, you, you don't know yet. Let me, let me <laughs> there's some, I don't know. I mean, there are some goods and bads about both of them. So William Bloodworth in Final Destination has an intimate knowledge of what he calls death's design. He does provide the characters in the movie ways to get off of death's list. Um, he has a super deep voice and a very spooky presence. <laughs> I love Tony Todd. He's perfect in this role. He's perfect in everything he's in. Um, but also some people who have watched the film speculate that he is perhaps death himself in human form or the Grim Reaper maybe. Uh, because he also seems to delight in um, the poor characters all dying off. <laughs> mm -hmm. Then we what have do you mean by that? He like likes it? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Have you seen the last <laughs> in number the fifth final destination? It, it's really obvious um, that he's kind of. He kind of seems like he's playing with the characters a little bit. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's super creepy. And then Mr. Sims seems kind of nice in T Tales from the Hood. In the first Tales from the Hood, it's he's played by Clarence Williams III. Um, but he's also in the second um, Tales from the Hood, but played by Keith David. Because at that time, Clarence Williams had, graduated, or, uh, had retired from acting. Um, but I like to just think of Mr. Sims from Tales from the Hood, the first one. Um, first of all, he has the best quotes, I think, of any, I mean, he has some of the best quotes of any Black horror film, like, villain ever, because um, he gets to say fun things like, this ain't no funeral home, it ain't the Terror Dome neither. <laughs> and then he says, welcome to hell, mother effers. Oh, <laughs> epic. And if you look, he, it's so great. And he has crazy eyes and it's very scary. Um, he tells great stories that teach you important lessons, you know, about how to live and how to be a good person. However, he is an actual demon or perhaps Satan. So, you know, that's, that's the downside. Honestly, though, you said you would go with William Bloodworth in Final Destination. Yes. I mean, you would more likely survive if you encountered him. Well, but like, whenever I was, like, watching the movie, I just liked him better than Hood Fairy Tales. Like, I don't know. There's something in my head. It's true. He is kind of more, I can see that. He's more, um, he's more engaging and he doesn't seem quite as, <laughs> Mr. 
Mr. Sims is very creepy from the beginning and he's very awkward. Like kind of in an uncomfortable way. Um, and yeah, he, he, he unfortunately is a, a true demon. I think I would probably prefer to see William Bloodworth if I walked into a funeral home. However, I, I wish he had as good of stories as Mr. Sims. No, I don't want to hear no stories because then it's going to freak me out, especially if we're in a funeral home. I want no dead people coming up on me. That's fair. My last um, would you rather would you rather come up against one of the Candymen in a dark alley or the tethered version of yourself like the characters from Us? I'll give you, um, do you want to hear some pros and cons for each character yeah. okay so i'll give a little bit of backstory into each um thing for those who haven't seen the films um original candy man from the um the 1992 film he's daniel robitaille who's a painter um he was a free man and he was educated raised by his father in the late 1800s and he painted like aristocratic white people and he fell in love with a white lady and then that was bad and he was killed and they like also spread honey on him so he would be eaten by bees which is a little confusing because i don't know if bees can eat you but that's he's got lots of um bee He's got bees in his chest, <laughs> um, like like a bee rib, rib cage. <laughs> and then, um, of course, if you say his name five times in the mirror, he's going to come and kill you. New Candyman, same rules. Don't say his name five times in the mirror unless you want him to come for you. But his name is Sherman Fields. Um, he's played by Michael Hargrove in the new film. He actually gives you candy, the original um, gentleman. And he was killed by the police because they thought because a little girl um, died from a razor blade in her candy. And the police wrongfully thought it was Sherman Fields. Um, and then beat him to death, unfortunately. Um, and he came back and became an evil spirit that haunted everybody in the um, Cabrini Green uh, apartments, much like Daniel Robitaille. Although he's not actually from Chicago, he is, they say that he's in the South, so I don't really know how he gets to Chicago, but um, it's, the, it's the myth. Pretty much anyone can be a Candyman too. If you were wrongfully killed by the police or by white people, it, it is possible to become a candy man. So yeah, our, my recommendation, um, not only um, I think everyone should watch all the films that we talked about, but they should also watch um, the documentary Horror Noir that I mentioned at the beginning, um, A History of Black Horror. It's on 
Shutter if you or AMC Plus if you have that streaming um, platform. And then I also recommend that everyone wear sensible shoes. Mm -hmm. What do I recommend? Well, while we were speaking, this other like TV show series popped up in my head called Them. I recommend y'all watch that. It's like probably on Amazon Prime or something. I watched it on Amazon Prime. It freaked me out. It was so good. Y'all need to watch it. I watched one episode and I got too creeped out and I had to take a break. Because I No, because it was literally so intense. And that is, it's kind of that is the lesson here with Black Horror, I think, is that that film features real life. And for, you know, black people black horror is often real life and i that's something that i think our white listeners should take away you know that mm -hmm. um it's important to remember that but the experiences and the way people see the world is different and for black people being on guard and worrying about actual physical threats is unfortunately part of life mm -hmm. i wish in the future it's not but realistically you know we'll we just keep on going and and make sure we wear our sensible shoes yep make sure your shoes are tied even wear like the sketches that got the strap wear the strap I'm not to worry about it. I'm coming undone. Yeah. <laughs> and no mirrors. Don't talk to mirrors. And do not go anywhere by yourself, especially when it's dark, you know. Even if it's light, I mean, get out scary because there's daytime horror. <laughs> I would rather, at least I can see because, you know, I got glasses on. I just can't see. But at least if it's light, I can see better. Oh, no. I, that's how I would get got in a movie, actually. All they would have be to be like Velma. They would just take my glasses and I would be done. <laughs> I would. I would just be like Velma. All right. We should probably end this. <laughs> um, thanks for talking with me, Michelle. Glad to talk to you. I had fun. Yeah. And I promise I'll, um, I'll watch one Tyler Perry scary movie. Yes, you need to. Even though I don't think it's real horror. Maybe. It was just funny. I'll be proven wrong. Girl. Well, everyone, that is the end of today's episode. We wanted to give a big thank you to Washburn's Black Student Union for taking over our podcast this month. If you want to learn more about Washburn's BSU, you can find them on Bob's Connect when you type in Washburn Black Student Union. Keep on the lookout for next month's episode as we will be celebrating Women's History Month.